Happy Hour with Julie and Liz. So, Liz. Yes. I want to pass along some probably useful information to our listeners before we delve into the week's events and and news, if that's okay. Um, Absolutely, Julie. Absolutely. Because we are a service provider on top of just giving our witty insights and lots of profanity and explaining what's going on in this crazy world. We also want to help our listeners. That's right. We are here to help. We're we're a place to go to turn to in times of darkness. For basically everything, all of your human (laughs) needs. So hot off the presses of the Washington Post this morning, for those of you who need a little extra coin in your pocket to pay for Vladimir Putin's inflation, um, apparently the new hot thing is donating plasma. Okay. Wow. Well, that's less severe than people turning to like the black market organ donation scene. Well, that's which that's, I guess that's right around the corner. It's soon. right around the corner. Soon. If, if you're trying to buy eggs or milk or chicken, <clears throat> it really does require coughing up a kidney. The prices are crazy. I think um, I've noticed in the stores that things are more expensive, and I've heard non-political people complaining about it, too. So um, it cost me $75 to fill up my car. And in Virginia, our gas is cheaper than, say, California or Illinois, because I know in Illinois, where you live, there's a lot of additives required that make the gas more expensive, and same with California. So... But even here, I just filled up my car. It was $75. So, yeah. Well, this is what is very sad, is that Americans, so this story in the Washington Post today highlights a woman who has been a teacher for 18 years. She's got a 12-year-old and 15-year-old, which, of course, those are very expensive human beings to raise. And... Her kids are basically living off of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Of course, peanut butter is ridiculously expensive. Um, and now she's donating plasma because she needs the extra 400 to $500 a month. This requires this woman to donate twice a week. Now, this is not just like donating blood, right? This is a more intensive process. It causes people to, you know, the needle marks, the stomach pain. There's a lot of side effects from this. Um, So here's what she told the Washington Post. This really just happened last fall. My paycheck wasn't enough really to help to keep us alive now. There's nothing left after I pay the bills. I've always had a little left over at the end of the month to use for clothes or if we wanted to go out to eat. Now I I don't have anything left. I began sending my entire paycheck to the credit card. Now, these plasma centers are also offering a $20 fuel bonus. And then, of course, extra fuel bonuses if you refer someone to donate, you know, part of your blood so you can fill up your minivan and drive your kids around. That's that's um, that's terrible. Um, Does the Washington Post blame anyone or anything for this situation that they've written about or or do they blame Trump? Liz, you are so just observant and astute because <laughs> of course had this happened 
during the Trump era, this would have been immediately blamed on Donald Trump and the Republicans. The plasma donators would be ranting and raving about how the bad orange man is forcing them to these plasma centers. But oddly enough, the Washington Post doesn't blame Joe Biden or any House Democrat or any politician. This just sort of happened magically over the past, you know, 15 months. Um, and so it's totally normal. No biggie. Just go donate your plasma because oops, inflation is up, you know, 8.5% and it's only going to get worse. But no one, as Howard Jones sang in 1986, <laughs> no one is to blame. No one is to blame. <laughs> oh, I love that song. Um, you know, we've seen, we see this over and over again when there's an event or an occurrence that is obviously the fault of the Democrats and or the Biden administration. And all of a sudden, the media kicks into passive voice. Right. Like the or or objects take on the characteristics of action, like the car hit people, the gun killed people. Do you remember Obama said people were killed or folk, folks, folks died or something? He made some comment right. about a massacre or something. And he was like, folks were killed. Like there was there was no actor. Right. There was no agent of the action. And so whenever there's a story that makes that reflects poorly on the Democrats or the Biden administration, all of a sudden there's like no agency, right? There was no like moving cause for mm -hmm. that situation. Now, very different situation under the Trump Trump, because under Trump, everything was explicitly tied directly, like immediate pipeline to Donald J. Trump. So had this occurred under the Trump administration, we would have Trump's name mentioned like 500 times in the span of this article. There's no doubt about it. And there would be follow up, you know, stories. This story would have legs on CNN and MSNBC. You know, they would be at these plasma centers yep. interrogating these people, goading right. them, and blaming Donald Trump and the Republicans. Of course, none of that can happen. It's actually a very good article, but I just tweeted the reporter and said, hey, by the way, I noted that you did not assign any political blame for this. Um, what what what's up? What's up, Washington Post yeah. demographer? Um, but of course, there was greater tragedy this past week: the horrific massacre at the supermarket in Buffalo last Saturday afternoon. A deranged, maniacal. Uh, 18-year-old who decided to shoot up the supermarket, killing. 10 innocent people. I can't even imagine what would be going through this man's mind. Um, but uh, so that was horrific. We happened to be in upstate New York on that last weekend. And it just, it was so shocking and heartbreaking because it was such a beautiful weekend. And, you know, you sort of heard the stories about these people who were shopping, you know, going to pick up strawberries to go to a friend's. It was like the first nice weekend in a long time. And, um, you know, what's sick, Liz, is the, the elderly people who were just murdered in cold blood by this lunatic. At the um, grocery store. You know, a lot of people, I mean, that's not a place where you traditionally feel like you're in danger 
when you're going to the grocery store. You know, there's definitely certain places you wouldn't want to go after dark. Um, a long time ago, a couple years ago, I was driving back from shooting sporting clays. It was dark. I needed to stop in a super sketch neighborhood to get gas. And yes, I was very nervous. I mean, it was it was a sketchy it was a sketchy area for sure. But you know, when I go to the grocery store to pick something up, I'm not I'm not scared, right? And I'm not looking over my shoulder, and I'm not I don't take precautions. So it's such a violation of people's sense of peace when something like this happens. And to, to make matters worse, this freak live streamed his massacre with yeah. a GoPro on a helmet. <clears throat> and that, I think, speaks to the the young people t- of today, these younger Zs and millennials or whatever. I mean, their their sense of reality is so distorted by the internet, you know, and the need to like put this attack on the internet live. I mean, it's just really gross. That's my... It's so sick and twisted. And um, what's the, of course, what's the the Democrats media, of course, immediately made it 10 times worse, blaming um, Fox News, Tucker Carlson, Representative Lee Stefanik for uh, motivating this animal, who, by the way, from all accounts, number one, had a very normal... Uh, family life. Uh, parents were professionals, both worked for New York state government. He had two siblings. They showed all sorts of pictures of this family going on vacations and going out to eat. It's not like he was a shut in or a loner or had no family like some of these other um, uh, mass shooters, especially of his age, you know, young white men. <clears throat> so, but what's even more, what's more alarming is that he was on law enforcement's radar. He threatened, I guess, to shoot up his class during his high school graduation in June of 2021. There was some discussion about, per, I think he had a mental health evaluation, some discussion of um, committing him. But his internet, his online presence was a very large footprint. And the idea that he was not in the crosshairs of the FBI God forbid that this corrupt, inhumane agency was trying to stoke what this young, uh, I don't want to even call him a man, animal was was planning or what was inside of his head. We know for a fact, based on the Whitmer kidnapping operation, that that's exactly what the FBI does. And of course, in other, uh, you know, this is what they did to, to young Muslims after 9-11. So the FBI has a long history of doing this. But what's so, but Liz, none of the condemnation, none of the outrage was directed at law enforcement. Don't you think that that's odd? Why would you blame Tucker Carlson for this when clearly this was a major lapse in federal and local law enforcement? Well, I think that this is not the first time that we have a mass murderer who has been on the radar of law enforcement. I believe that the Parkland shooter down in Florida, he yeah. was had at least 54 visits by the police and also people had contacted the FBI federally. I think his 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 foster mother and that ball was dropped too and this that boy down that person I'm not going to name him down in Florida had 
so many red flags, so many red flags. And at no point was anyone concerned enough to to do anything. And so it this is yet another situation where the FBI, look, if you say you're going to shoot up a school and that wasn't the only weird thing that this kid did right he his i believe i read an interview with his mother or his mother was quoted as saying that he really like snapped during covid the lockdown yep. that he was uh wearing uh he would go to school i guess when he could go to school because it's in new york um you know in a hazmat suit and then of course the school shut down i can't imagine what isolation would do to someone who already is overly dependent on the internet for your social interaction or your social identity. And now you're stuck there with no one, but the people on the internet who are crazy as shit. Julie and I know that better than anybody, um, how crazy people on the internet are. So, (laughs) you know, this is just a recipe for disaster. I mean, this kid is just one of who knows how many really seriously, damaged young kids there are that went through this especially you know in the tweens and teen years when that social interaction and socialization is so important to building your own identity and then to be cut off from that and then already have a predisposition it's it's a terrible tragedy but you know just to contrast this with the earlier story where you spoke about this woman who for some inexplicable reason can't afford the basic necessities of life, like food and gas for our family, and there's no cause. This particular instance, we immediately had so many experts, criminal experts that are also journalists, um, telling us exactly why. And then, of course, political people telling us why. And, of course, it was obviously racism. And and also, what 18-year-old writes a manifesto? I mean, that's just weird. Right. I mean, and who did the interviewing part of the manifesto? Like, I haven't seen the full document. I've seen shots of it. I've been trying to locate it. But it seemed like it was a Q&A. So who was asking him these questions? Um, and to your point, Liz, yes, he allegedly became radicalized during lockdowns. He lives in New York, which in my that's where my daughter was, goes to college. It was one of the harshest states, as you know, for lockdowns. Um, and so Randy Weingarten actually tweeted something out about this madman. And you are partially responsible for <clears throat> not just I mean, if we're going to sign blame, if this is true that he found all of these sites and he became radicalized under lockdowns. These kids had no school, obviously. They had no activities. Nothing was open in New York State. So what else are, especially, you know, young men, uh, obviously, no excuse whatsoever. But if we're going to sign blame, let's start with people like Randy Weingarten, who kept this, who kept all of our kids shuttered for a good at least 12 to, to 18 months. Um, One point that we hear a lot of people talk about uh, when they're talking about the consequences of the school lockdowns are that kids who are abused and troubled, the the only place that they get safety and the place where this kind of abuse is discovered and, and stopped 
is at school. So this kid was not allowed to go into school where he may have displayed even more disturbing behaviors that would have given the authorities more red flags to maybe intervene. They didn't even have that opportunity, right? He was locked up kind of stewing in his own juices. Um, And this is the the consequence. So it's absolutely on the teachers' unions, um, on anybody who is promoting de Blasio, not de Blasio, because it's upstate New York, on a Cuomo. Um, it, it, this is on, this, part of this is on them. Um, and it's, what's going to happen is that this kid is probably going to get a public defender who is just going to have him cut a deal. You know, there's not going to be, because honestly, at this point, having gone through watching the Whitmer trial unfold yep. and some of the details surrounding January 6th and also a lot of the stuff with the Muslim terrorists in the past. I mean, we have no idea if this kid was egged on or not, but we can't rule it out. That's for sure. But if he gets a, a public defender, his parents can't afford, you know, a highfalutin attorney, you know, we're never going to know, you know, it's just going to, you know, he's going to get a shitty lawyer, a crappy lawyer, and he's probably going to be encouraged to plead out to something. And then it will just move along like this didn't happen. Because the minute it smells like that, Julie, the That's media right. will lose interest. They've got their headlines that they wanted. Right. And anything that doesn't fit that is just going to go down the memory hole. Well, this is why. So the in the FBI and the Whitmer kidnapping hoax did the exact same thing. They started tracking social media for people who were outraged about lockdown policies, who were planning protests. As you recall, in April 2020, Michigan had some of the biggest, most well-attended protests. Remember the car rallies that were in Lansing? Yep. And so they were, you had FBI assets across the country doing nothing but monitoring social media and the internet for any disgruntled American. So this is how they sort of stitched this random group together um, in the Whitmer hoax. But they leveraged not just the anger about lockdowns, but then the Floyd riots uh, during the summer of 2020. And so this is been the FBI's MO really since 2019 to go after alleged, you know, white supremacists, meaning Trump supporters, who knows what this kid kid doesn't even mention Trump. I don't, I don't think his parents are both civil engineers who work for the state of New York, highly doubtful that they have MAGA hats lying around their house. Right. So, um, but by the way, I also blame the parents because I mean, I have an almost 18 year old, I mean, that's when you have to pay the most attention to what your child is doing. And the fact that he could buy this ammunition, have this military gear, spend this much time on the Internet, and his parents have no clue what's going on, I find that very hard to believe. So I put them in that category as well. Oh, 100%. You know, look, it was the same thing at Sandy Hook, right? That's right. At Sandy Hook, the mom was buying the the kid guns. Yes. And the kid was knowing he was troubled. Yes, there was literally no ambiguity that this kid was fucked up, and right. and that she mom, was taking him like shooting to shooting yes. ranges. She's like, oh, we were bonding, and it's like, okay, your son doesn't go outside and plays video games in the basement all day, and he's been kicked out of school. Like, do you think this is a good idea to? Now, I understand it's very difficult for people to find good mental health resources for their teenagers yes i don't i don't deny that but i also 
won't deny that you then don't give those people firearms. You, you know, that like, yes, I know a lot of parents have trouble finding good resources for mental health care for for their kids. And look, I mean, if, if the kid if kid is like a psychopath or a cluster B personality disorder, there's nothing you can do with those people there. You can't fix somebody no. who's a psychopath. They don't heal. Nevertheless, right. you do keep them away from firearms. So a lot of times the parents, um, you know, they they don't they're in denial. They don't they don't want to do, take action. They're hopeful that maybe things will turn around. But look, look again, it's a similar pattern, like I said, with Sandy Hook, where the parents d- just dis- disregarded um, the, the red flags. So, well, I by all that- accounts, and I think this is what infuriates me the most, is these are parents with resources. They have connections yep. in the state government. They have, you know, they're not poor. This isn't a single mother trying to keep her you know, 18-year-old, 17-year-old son in line, which is basically impossible. And yes, the mental health facilities for teenagers, you you can't get in. But these parents could have found some resources. And it really just, I mean, I blame them the most for what happened because, and I mean, you know, you know parents who have struggled with uh, kids with mental health issues, to your point, it's very difficult. But these parents had the resources, the access to try to get this kid help. And it doesn't seem like not only did they not do it, they weren't keeping tabs on him. How could he drive, you know, whatever it was, the three hours or two hours back and forth a few times? I mean, you they it seems like they completely lost tabs of their own child. And unlike the Rittenhouse case, where I know people wanted to hold the mother accountable. Um, This really is really calls out for some sort of punishment for these parents. I'm sorry. No, he's technically an adult, but um, this isn't even, this has absolutely nothing. This is absolutely nothing like the Kyle Rittenhouse case. I mean, Kyle Rittenhouse didn't go attacking people, you know, Kyle Rittenhouse acted in self-defense. So every mother and father should be proud of their child who defend themselves legally against violence yes. that is not the, even the same thing of course the left and the democrats they they don't see any difference between a violently attacking someone and defending yourself with a weapon um they would prefer that you get raped or mugged or or robbed or whatever um but this story is going to disappear the minute that there a single thing doesn't like a single detail doesn't fit the narrative because they love an opportunity to talk about white supremacists, which I think you're a white supremacist if you're just white. I mean, that really is the claim that's at the heart of critical race theory is that just by being white, you don't need to actually be a Nazi, right? Like you don't need to stomp around with a swastika and say Heil Hitler to be a white supremacist or a Nazi in their book. You just have to be white. And so I don't know why. I didn't read this kid's manifesto. Maybe there was some racial animus. Um, he he's obviously is insane. He certainly doesn't say he was inspired by Trump, which is really kind of the subtext of all these articles. Which he, he was inspired by Trump or MAGA right. or ultra MAGA uh, or or whatever. Um, you know, I just I I think that if anything comes out where this kid was sort of set up and groomed by law enforcement and they can't keep up with their white supremacist um, 
narrative. Because again, we saw how quick Wakesha went away. That that where we had a black supremacist go in and target white people. That's right. And that just disappeared super fast. Because that violence is not convenient. It's not helpful or useful. Well, if they really wanted to know what was going on, they the Congress would be screaming from the rafters, demanding a public hearing with Christopher Ray, wanting to know what the FBI knew. Was this kid on their radar screen? Were they uh, tracking him either with informants online or undercover agents or whomever? Same sort of MO that uh, in the Whitmer kidnapping hoax. But none of that is happening. And you can already see, Liz, the story disappearing because they got what they wanted out of it. Yeah. They rattled. I mean, I don't know if they I doubt if they rattled Tucker. He, of course, came out swinging back this week, which was good to see. Um, But it's already disappearing because the questions then have to be raised and targeted at the right authorities, which is law enforcement and not Fox News hosts or Republicans who talk about the great replacement, which, of course, was started by the Democrats. But at any rate, stories already disappearing to your point. I don't know if this kid will qualify. I guess he could qualify for a public defender because he's technically an adult and I don't think he has any income. I don't know if they will look at his parents, his family's income. I'm not really sure how that calculation works. Um, I will say the public defenders in the Whitmer case were 10 times better than any of the paid criminal defense attorneys or most of them I've seen in January 6th. So there's that. But um, the stories are already disappearing because, of course, Joe Biden being the has to be the the worst, most divisive, angry president we've ever had. Traveled to Buffalo. Of course, he didn't go to Waukesha or any of the other locations of these uh, or uh, other incidents. But he went to um, Buffalo. Was it Tuesday? Yes, Tuesday with Jill, Dr. Jill. In case anyone needed triage, Dr. Jill was on hand and um, you know gave this rant about the threat of white supremacy. Uh, and domestic violent extremists, which does not exist. I have a piece up this week in American Greatness that go. I actually went through <clears throat> whatever data is available, which isn't much, but to the extent that there is any from the year 2020, there's nothing, absolutely nothing to support the idea that this is an emerging pervasive problem as uh, the Biden regime claims. So, but it doesn't matter. He got his hits instead of going there to you know, soothe not just the community of Buffalo, the loved ones who are completely devastated by what what happened, but the entire country. He, as usual, poured gasoline on the fire, barely could get through his words. Um, But to the extent that he did get through his words, it was all about this tirade about an imaginary threat of white supremacy, really just a contemptible human being, um, I just feel sad for the country that we this man is in the White House because he's doing nothing but tearing the, the country apart. Yeah, well, and also it's another opportunity to talk about banning guns, which is one of the favorites, uh, favorite things for Democrats. They kind of just sit and wait until they have an opportunity to 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 bring out that we need to ban guns. So, of course, the Biden administration is is considering a gun ban, a gun ban. Uh, but but we, we're going to move move along and, and another opportunity will crop up where they can recycle this. And what's interesting, what's interesting is that 
the Biden administration and the Democrats are in such political trouble right now. Mm-hmm. So you have to wonder, and they focus group. They're always focus grouping, as we learned, I think, this week or last week, that they right. had a focus group, the slur ultra MAGA, which that probably cost them like $50,000, those focus groups. So you got played, guys, because um, <laughs> it turned into like a right wing meme. But they focus group. They're always polling. They know that the civic mood in this country is in the shitter. They know this Mm -hmm. and they know what people are upset about, that they are upset about inflation. They're upset about gas prices. Like this poor lady is selling her parts of her body, like her lifeblood, literally, so she can afford gas and food for her children. And the Biden administration is using this as like a, you know, to, this is their this is what they're going to focus on. They're going to go and be divisive. They're going to talk about racism. They're going to talk about banning guns and people are selling their blood so they have gas to go to work and right. make money that isn't even enough for them to live. So it's such a it's such a miscalculation that I'm going to say it's intentional. It, you can't do this. You can't make a move this bad other than doing it on purpose. And I think that's because the people controlling Biden are not interested so much in re-election or even in stemming the hemorrhaging that's going to happen in November. They want to get as much done as possible while they, these puppet masters are controlling, you know, Muffinhead Joe until they, <laughs> they can't. That's, the, that's what I think. I think that they are going to go balls deep until they're literally stopped or not really stopped by a Republican takeover because Republicans are pussies. They, they would never stop, but slow down. Right. So they are just going to going to go through their agenda and they're going to push it as as fast and hard as possible without any regard for the things that are really, you know, have turned voters against them because they are, you know, they're really I mean, Biden is controlled by radicals. So yes. that's well, what, that's, did, uh, what did Elon Musk say this week? Oh, yeah. Whoever controls the teleprompter yep. controls the presidency. Elon Musk, by the way, came out as a Republican this week, right? Yeah. Well, he so this out. is really interesting. He so revealed. I, I have, to, I have to say, like, if you if you aren't listening, if you don't just listen, obviously, Julie and I know you don't just listen to Happy Hour with Julie and Liz. We know we know it's your favorite, obviously. Um, so there's a, another great podcast that I love to listen to, um, and it's called All In, and it's with, I, I guess you could describe them as tech bros. They're really rich, successful people in the tech industry. Um, Chamath Palahapitara is one, David Friedberg, um, and Jason Calacanis, and um, David Stern, I think, who is the was one of the co-founders of PayPal. They're all very, very successful tech bros. And they have a great podcast called All In. And it's just smart people talking about interesting things. This isn't really, it's not explicitly a political podcast, but they do, you know, hit on some politics stuff. I, I love it. I, I listen to every episode. Anyway, they had a big event in, of course, Austin um, this last week called the All In. It was like an all-in get-together. And Elon Musk was there. And so they interviewed Elon, and he was on the po- on their podcast. He spoke to them for like an hour. It was very interesting. So basically, Elon is 
he's a smart dude. Um, I wouldn't look to him as like a political savior. I know a lot of people on the right tend to like look for heroes. It's like he's not a hero, but he's a pretty decent guy who's who who knows what's going on. And he really they they asked him um, about some current events. And, you know, Elon was like, look, who, who whoever he, he made a crack about Biden and just said, you know, whoever is, is in control, of the teleprompter is really the one running the government. And he he said that the Democrat Party is, you know, a divisive, angry group of people and that he had never voted for a Republican and, you know, up to this date and time. And now he is because the Democrats are so hateful. And um, it was a really just good interview talk about listening to him talk about all kinds of, of current events and interesting, interesting topics related to Tesla and crypto um, and to Silicon Valley in general. But he 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 certainly understands what's what's going on. And his remarks about Twitter were really interesting because, as you know, he was going to buy he's going to buy Twitter. He was in the middle of buying Twitter. He made an offer smart a smart offer where the shareholders the company really had to take it because it was a profit for the shareholders and now there's like a glitch because twitter he believes that twitter has been lying about the number of bots that are on the platform and the reason that's important is it makes it look like there's a lot of people using Twitter, right? Twitter says, oh, we have this many people on our platform. And if you're right. an investor or a shareholder, you know, you you want to know, oh, the health, the company's healthy. Look at all these people. And they told Elon and the public that only 5% of the, of the users on Twitter are bots. Well, that's a lie. I mean, even I know that's a lie, right? I mean, right. that's and Elon's like, at the very least, it's 20%, if not more. Um, so overall, you know, Elon said he's going to be voting Republican. And I think I think the interview is good, but I would love to, like, find out for people like Elon. I think um, some of these tech guys lean a little right as well, that the, the way that the Republicans have been char- characterized by the Democrats, it's so far from the truth. It's like when somebody meets. Republican, like, for instance, um, Brandon Strzok, who our guest, Brandon Strzok, who's mm-hmm. been here that, you know, when he talks about how the people who are mean, meanest to him were always like the Democrats, like his right. own people. They were never, you know, the people on the right are never as mean to their political adversaries as the people on the left are to traitors, to the left ideology. So I wonder if people like Elon Musk and some of these tech bros and secret Hollywood people and secret tech bros that are secretly conservatives, you know, if they find that the Republicans are, are anything like, and I mean Republican people, not the elected officials. I mean, just your regular Republican private citizen. If they're nearly as bigoted or hateful as they've been caricatured and described, you know, by by these radicals. I always find that interesting to ponder. Yes. Well, um, so we, there is so much other news this week, too, we should probably get to. So we've got <clears throat> all of uh, the aftermath of the Buffalo massacre, um, but also lots of things happening in D.C. So we had the vote. Um, so the House and Senate passed. What is it, Liz? Forty billion dollars to Ukraine. Yeah, we're borrowing it from China. 
to give it to the oh, Ukraine. Good. That's what, oh, good. That's what Rand Paul said. <laughs> so, um, so I think there were, were there 11 senators who voted against it? Republicans? I think 11 or 12. Doesn't matter. It passed. $40 billion out the window. And then that ridiculous video last weekend with Mitch McConnell and John Cornyn, Susan Collins, who else? John Barrasso traveling to Kiev. It looked like a, like a walk in the park. It didn't look like a war zone. And here they are meeting little Zelensky, who then leads them by the nose up to this photo op. Um, and so he got his way. I'm sure there will be more coming. Um, and but we're oh, told, yeah, no, it's just the first. It's an installment package. A down payment, um, right? Yeah. It, it, it seriously is not the end of it. And I I would say that if it's and I don't doubt that there are there's a lot of violence in certain areas, but it certainly can't be nearly as bad as we're being led to believe if we have a bunch of there's like a codal of elected officials that like pop on over, especially because I think the Russians have announced that they have like a hit on Zelensky. So why would you hang around him? You know, there's like a drone with his name on it. <laughs> right. Was that, does that sound like a smart idea? I, I would. Well, I would like, yeah. Right. Again, if it's true, but then you've yeah. got, and then like, didn't Bono go, you two gave like a concert and, uh, at any rate, give, like a big concert in the middle of the Ukraine. And I was like, oh, there's a horrible war. And it's like, OK, so you're giving a concert, like a, a rock concert with a bunch of people there. Like, what is that not a target? Ugh. It just not none of it makes sense. It just it doesn't make sense, except, of course, that Ukraine is a money laundering state, basically, for both uh, parties. Ukraine is this war is a fight over which country would use the Ukraine as a proxy state. That's what it is. Is it going to be a U.S. proxy state or is it going to be a Russian proxy state? That's what it is. That's that's what well the war said. is about. Well said. That's, that's right. Um, that's God, our Republican Party is just so pathetic. I mean, I. I the thought that if we do, if Republicans do take, I don't want to say we, Republicans do take the Senate, the idea that Mitch McConnell will be Senate Majority Leader, just what's the point? What yeah, is the I, I'm 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 disengaged. Like I'm I'm not engaged in this. I I don't <laughs> I don't feel invested in the concept of the sort of red wave that's coming. I do feel invested in certain candidates who I know are good. Like I want them to win. But as a right. whole, I'm under no illusion that having the Republicans take over the Senate and the House is going to have any impact, any major impact um, on the direction that the company that this country is going in, because the Republicans are in on it. So the leadership they, certainly they is are. in on it. So they're, so they're on the they're on the different they're on a different team. This is that simple. They really are. Um, and so I hope that there's some sort of backlash. I don't know. You have now there's a split in House Republicans, too. There was some dust up this week, apparently, with House Freedom Caucus. Um, you have people like Chip Roy and Andy Biggs um, who don't want to just do these votes, um, you know, where nobody is held accountable. It's what would you what did you call them, Liz? I can't think of the term where you're not debating and there's not like a roll call unanimous consent or something like oh, they that. Well, they just do unanimous consent where they just, they just, yeah, they don't actually tally the vote by name. 
Right. So apparently Politico is reporting there was some big break in the House Freedom Caucus. I think it was Representative Mike Rogers got in the face of either Biggs, maybe Chip Roy, you know, the people who actually understand what time it is and don't want to play the games, go along with the Biden regime and the Democrats. So at any rate, it's going to be interesting uh, heading into the midterm elections because to your point, the Democrats are expecting, a, what did Barack Obama call it? Shellac. A sh- yeah, major shellacking. Um, so they're going to get more desperate, the Democrats. So that's part of it. Also, what's happening in Washington is the trial of Michael Sussman, who was the attorney for uh, Perkins Coie. He is now on trial in uh, D.C. District Court. And lots of interesting things have been coming out with that uh, special counsel, John Durham's investigation. Um and testimony yesterday by Mark Elias, who, of course, used to head up Perkins Coie, left, you know, suddenly, right? I think right before the Sussman indictment was announced. But um, so you have Perkins Coie, Fusion GPS, the DNC, the Clinton campaign on trial in Washington, D.C. Uh, and just, again, another reminder of this cabal, which is happening now again with the January 6th House Committee and DOJ now working collaboratively to tra- take down Trump world. Um, this was the beginning of it, right? The crossfire hurricane, the DNC, Fusion uh, Fusion, and Perkins Coie, Christopher Steele, all of the bad actors involved. But what do you, what's going to happen with this? Do they really think what was interesting, Liz, was the jury selection earlier this week? Where after having followed, of course, a lot of things happening in the D.C. District Court, the J6 um, trials, the plea deals, the pretrial detention hearings, et cetera, um, not only are the judges highly biased, and of course, this is Judge Chris Cooper, an Obama appointee whose wife, I believe, was chief of staff to Eric Holder and whose wife Mm. also represents Lisa Page. The okay. FBI lawyer who was shacking yeah, this up with totally legit. Yeah, this is <laughs> legit. This is fair. This is this is blind justice if I ever heard it. Yeah. But the okay. jury selection, and of course, there's been four jury trials already for January 6th defendants. Every single one has been found guilty on every single count in record time. In one jury trial, a juror joked that it took more time to order lunch than to find a man uh, charged on six very serious charges guilty. So this is all happening in record time with January So people, I think this week, Liz, were like, well, wait a second, they're going to let a Hillary donor, an AOC donor. Um, I think there was someone who used to work for the Justice Department or someone related to this on the jury. Well, of course they are, because you have no choice in Washington, D.C. If you were trying to. Yeah. Who else are they going to get? Right. Because you're in a city, a jury pool of a city that voted 93% for Joe Biden. You can't even find a city comparable. I looked up Chicago, 82%. I mean, it's you can't even get anything close. You have defense counsel who have conducted these surveys into the D.C. Uh, perspective jury pool. The bias, not just the political bias, but the bias about what happened that day, how people in D.C. describe it, how they describe even people who didn't go inside the building, who are just like outside in the complex doing nothing wrong. 
These D.C. residents still consider those people insurrectionists. They want them criminally charged. They want them thrown in jail. So now you kind of have it on its head where John Durham is technically is the government. They are the prosecution. Michael Sussman is the defense. But you really think a D.C. jury is going to find Michael Sussman guilty when they know all of his political connections? No, of course they're not. And and. And look, the people in D.C. aren't just Democrats, right? This isn't like a city of just people that lean politically, you know, Democrat. These people work for the government or they're very government adjacent. And if you're a civil servant, you're basically an activist at this point. If you continue to work for the government, you are not just someone whose ideas are left of center. You are an activist. And these people do think that just by walking over and standing on a a patch of grass that you did not know was secretly determined to be like inside a a boundary, that that person should get the death penalty. Yes, these people are fine with it. I mean, this isn't this isn't real justice. This isn't like due process. That we all cling to and think, well, we have this procedure and we'll be judged and 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 the, the truth will come out. No, this is it has the veneer of due process, but it is not due process. And so, of course, this is going to happen. And if the, the Department of Justice really wanted this to have some legitimacy, right, this these prosecutions have legitimacy, they would they would immediately move it to a different venue. They, they would move it out of this DMV area. That's what we call D.C., Maryland, Virginia. They would immediately move it somewhere else. And then they could say, well, look, you know, we this was a jury of their peers because the people that live here are, are not jury of their peers. It, it, so there's nothing due processy about this. That's um, right. And furthermore, these judges routinely have denied change of venue motions made by January 6th defense attorneys, very clearly articulating, uh, like you said, it's not just a city of Democrats. Every single person is somehow tied to the federal government. um, And they're invested in the legit. Look, these people are invested in the legitimacy of the federal government because they work for it. And and transitively, it is invested in their own legitimacy as workers for the federal government. So, of course, they're not going to do anything other than go along with the government that that it's their boss, basically. So and they took very personally the events of the four hour disturbance, uh, you know, that's now what, 16 and a half months ago. They're so traumatized they can't get over it. The judges can't get over it. The line prosecutors can't get over it. Everyone is so traumatized by the furry organic shaman and, you know, I guess Ashley Babbitt, who was shot in cold blood. I guess that traumatized them, but not enough to, you know, on the other side that it had to be done, that Michael Bird had to shoot and kill her at near point blank range. So, but judges are routinely denying change of venue motions. Any political trial should be moved out of Washington, D.C. This should yeah. have happened in the Trump era. You know, Emmett Sullivan should never have had his hands on the Mike Flynn case, Amy Cohn, Amy, whatever, not <laughs> Amy Berman Jackson should never have had her hands on any of the cases. I think she had Manafort or somebody else. It just escapes me. But every political trial should be moved out of there. Um, and the fact that it's not and these judges insist 
that they can find a fair-minded jury in Washington, D.C. to determine whether a trespasser who walked into, you know, the building for three minutes did nothing wrong, whether that person is guilty and should go to jail for, you know, 60, 90 days on a petty offense is just preposterous. So it'll be interesting, Liz, to see the outcome of the Sussman trial versus what's been happening in the January 6th trials. Yeah, very, very interesting. Um, so we do you have some good news before we sign off? Okay, I, I was going to say, we really, we do have something exciting and, and positive to talk about. So, Julie, go go ahead. Wait, we do? What What is it? Wait, yeah, the Ministry of Truth has been shut down. <laughs> okay, I have another one, but let's go ahead with that. I forgot. Yes. Did you have, is there something else? Is there something positive I don't know about? Well, Joe Biden is leaving the country. He's going to Asia. Oh, so, yeah. So there's that. Um, yeah. But right. yes, that's, that's right. The be. Ministry of, of Truth uh, is being, is it being shut down or is it just being reworked till they can find another maniac to lead it who doesn't it's have such a track record? Or where are we? It's you know, all you have to do is take a look at this Nina Jankowitz character to understand the caliber of civil servant that makes up our, our, our federal government. Um, yeah, true. But the last I heard is that it has been paused um, because apparently this clown that they recruited to be the minister of truth to fight the disinformation is really just quite a character that you almost couldn't make it up. I mean, I don't know who is out there hiring for these kinds of jobs, but they don't even try. You know, they don't even try. This this lady had Broadway aspirations and she <laughs> don't was we like all, a she's don't like we a, no. Um she's like a theater kid. So she's like singing about disinformation and it's just, I can't even take it seriously. Um, you know, in the past, some of the other government operations, like when all the scientists came out and said that it was okay to go out of your house and march for social justice, but not okay to, you know, open up your small business. Like at least those people have, again, this sort of stench of legitimacy because they're credentialed. Oh, they're PhDs or scientists or doctors, you know, blah, blah, blah. This lady is just, it's like they've given up. And they're like, we don't even have to try to pass the smell test um, on, uh, you know, on appointing visible authoritarians in this in this country. Um but the fact that they needed to set up a disinformation board is quite telling. Uh, they're obviously losing the po- battle for political favor, you know, of being held in high regard by the public. And so they've set up this ministry of truth to make sure that people don't get to say anything that's inconvenient for them on social media. And then they just pick up this like, I don't know, Barbara Streisand wannabe and put her on there. And of course, she was immediately exposed and mocked mercilessly, as she should be. Because remember, you never treat these leftists seriously. You don't afford them any respect. You need to just mock them. Um, And she was. And so I guess the heat got too much. And so she allegedly, she resigned and 
we heard that she was paw on pause. I think that's what the new press secretary told us. Julie, what what do you know about oh, this? Yes, yes. So we have the new press secretary who uh, just stunningly in her first few days is worse than um, Jen Psaki, if anyone thought that that would be possible. Um, at least Jen Psaki presented the appearance of being prepared. Yeah, and no, Jen Psaki was, was a great spinmeister liar. You know, I think she was, she was smooth at it. This chick is, like, definitely JV. Like, Yeah. She's not there for her. Remember, she told us she is not there for her competence. She's there because she is a black lesbian. And so, yes, Corinne Jean Pierre. Um, So, yes, she is there not to represent the president or the country or the White House. She is there to represent black lesbians, which is highly (laughs) important. Actually, Tucker had (laughs) a critical, a critical cohort. Tucker had a really hilarious opening monologue about her last night. Um, So I'm sure it's available somewhere. But, um, yes, she's actually, uh, yes, she seems highly incompetent, not prepared. Um, She's already tripping over her words, which actually, given all those characteristics, makes her the perfect spokesman for Joe Biden. So, um, but, yeah, she really couldn't answer yesterday when Peter Ducey said, so the board of disinformation is being shut down over disinformation from the person (laughs) who's supposed to be in charge and she it seemed like she didn't really understand the the question but she'll be fun to watch oh god well you and the the thing is like you you aren't going to really be able to criticize her because if you do you're obviously you are a white supremacist who hates lesbians black exactly. lesbians mm-hmm. I guess so she yes. she really is um she definitely seems like she is ill-prepared um but what she really seems like is somebody who has never been outside her bubble of like-minded people who just all say the same things because she's clearly not able to respond to a question that isn't you know where the answer isn't just yeah me too <laughs> you know these because a lot of these folks they're only around people that are just like them um, you know, it's like up in New York City or Manhattan at these cocktail parties. Those people aren't having deep conversations about important events. They they all agree with each other. So same 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 too with her. You know, I'm sure that she's around people that think exactly like she does. And so when she's confronted with a question which would require someone to you know have an answer to a question, she she just isn't. She's just not skilled at it. So. I think no. this is going to be um, some some f- good fodder uh, for the next, I don't know, how much longer? Well, I don't know how long she'll stick, stick around. Do you think she'll last like six months, Julie? Well, you know, here's, and you know this better than I do, Liz, after the midterms and the shellacking, you're going to see a lot of people leave the administration, the regime. Um, unfortunately, Joe Biden won't be one of them, but wouldn't be surprising <laughs> if if she's, she's one. best. Oh, Julie, he left a long time ago. <laughs> Sorry, you're right. <laughs> um, so it's hard to see her being able to um, manage. I don't sense that there's this, the camaraderie. Look, Jen Psaki was around a long time. She worked in the Obama administration. Wasn't she the spokeswoman for, was it the State Department or who who was she the mouthpiece for? Um, I can't remember, but she's she's got... Um, 
she's got you know credentials. Yeah, she's got she's got long time relationships with with all the people who the sit in people, that briefing yeah. room. I don't sense that uh, that uh, Corinne Corinne does. So I'm not sure. Of course, they're going to handle her with kid gloves because of, she's a black lesbo. But um, you know, <laughs> if she keeps not being able to answer questions or even correctly pronounce words like characterize, which she duffed the other day um i'm not so sure they're going to continue to be tolerant is she going to be able to handle the heat you know after labor day when this you know gets into full swing she going to be able to manage it probably not so i'm sure she could be one of the fall guys after you know uh that should she'll resign along with other people after um after the midterms so you don't you don't think that the administration and the press office will pressure journalists to like be gentle with her so as not to appear, you know, aggressive. Don't you oh, think? I bet for sure. I bet they would do that. So you don't make her look bad. That's what they're going to say. Don't make her look bad. Come on. Yes. I wonder how long though that will last. Right. I mean, I'm sure initially that it will. Um, God, I just can't give these people any credit. What am I doing? No, of course not. Of course they're going to let her skate with anything that comes out of her mouth. I just don't, I don't know who they would replace her with, especially after the midterms. I think doing two years in the Biden's term is enough to kind of get your, your gold star and your Scooby snack. And then you go on to like a corporate, you know, big corporate job. Um, You've done your time, you know, you've served, like in the infantry, and then you you can you know get your reward. In the second half, I just think things are going to get worse. Although it might be better to have that job in the second half because once the Republicans take over, you can just it's like more credible to blame the Republicans for everything. I mean, they're trying to blame the Republicans for everything now, but the Republicans have been out of power for two years, so you know they they didn't. They really didn't have anything to do with the cause, the gas going up. But, well, I guess indirectly they did because they, a lot of them signed off on these the stim, these stimulus payments to flood the, the market, the money market. But I think it, it's going to be easier and even more credible. I mean, look, the media, the mainstream media, the corporate media, like the Washington Post, the New York Times, and those clowns, you know, they just need just the slightest odor of of legitimacy to like write a story blaming the Republicans for the the bad state of our economy and in and in the U.S. So once the Republicans do take over, I think the job of, of press secretary will be easier just because they can just say, look, the Republicans in Congress and the Senate, they're not doing anything. You know, they're not passing any laws to help or they won't send the president any laws that you right. know, he could sign to help. I mean, look, that's what's going to happen. So th- that's my that's my prediction. Yes. Well, it's going to be uh, interesting, as always. And we're always here to make interesting things even more interesting. Yeah. And we'll, I think we'll be here next week. Um, maybe, maybe not. Maybe you know, not, we'll Liz. We might have to be donating plasma so we could pay for our internet connection to produce. I know, this you know, podcast. these podcasts don't host themselves. I'm gonna I'm hold on. I'm like tapping a vein right now. You can't see it. I'm just like looking to see if there's anything in the tank here. Um, but 
thank you again. Thank you for spending an hour with us as we we go through the news. And if you haven't subscribed yet, you can go on iTunes and you can subscribe. And tune in next week. I'm going to say that I'm going to I'm going to put on my optimism voice. I'm going to say we'll be here next week. So <laughs> tune in. Have a great weekend. And we'll see you soon. Thanks for listening to Happy Hour with Julie and Liz. We'll see you next week. Bye.